Hey weirdos, I'm Hannah Sainty and welcome to the Your Weird Podcast, the place that talks to creatives, artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do, why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower. If robots are taking all our jobs, we better figure out how to harness the one thing they can't do, be creative. Enjoy the show. Hello weirdos, welcome to another episode of the Your Weird Podcast. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you today, as I am every single episode. But today's episode is with an awesome woman who I met a few years ago, actually. I think it was about 2014 or 15 when I was traveling and I was in Thailand doing some volunteer work in Chiang Mai with the elephants. And I met this in awesome woman and she's a motivational speaker. So I've had her come on the show because I want to talk about motivation itself. Sometimes motivation is a resistance. Like, where is it? How do you find it? I had it before. Where did it go? How do I get it back? So we're going to talk about motivation and how to find it and how to use it appropriately and how to make sure that it doesn't run away from you. So her name is Anne Bonney and she's a fantastic woman. So she's actually had six distinct and successful careers. Uh, I'm going to have her on the show again and we're going to talk about those. But she's had six careers, she's lived on four different continents and now she is a motivational speaker. She's got two books under her belt. One is called Get Over It, which is 47 Tips for Embracing Change and the other one is called Get Them Over It, which is 57 Tips for Leaders to Help Their Employees Embrace Change. So what we talk about on this episode is we're talking about change, we're talking about accepting what is going on around you, what's going on within you. We're talking about how to just get on with things and how to get over them, which is as I said, one of the names of her books. And we talk about this in regards to motivation. I know that's really hard to be motivated sometimes because life is so busy and it requires so much attention from us and in like really varied ways. Like it's exhausting. And so it's really hard to stay motivated when you are so exhausted. And it's hard to stay motivated if, you know, maybe you've had a knock, you know, maybe someone didn't like your work, you had a bad gig, the painting didn't work, something got destroyed, you know, something nasty has happened in your life. You know, it's hard to find the motivation sometimes. So how do you find it and how do you keep it? That's what we are going to talk about in this chat. And I hope that it's going to really help you figure it out. It certainly helped me. It was really nice to be chatting to an old friend. Uh, We haven't seen each other since that time when we were in Thailand together, but we've always stayed connected online and supporting each other's work. And so this was a really fascinating and interesting chat. We had such a good time. There's so much that we go through and hopefully you'll be able to hear a little bit about yourself within it and ways that you can keep yourself motivated. You can find new motivation and maybe you can motivate others because that's what it's all about. We're all constantly in everything together. So we might as well accept that we're an animal and we work in herds and we're a team pack. So let's just get on with it. Stay motivated listen to this episode, enjoy it, let me know what you think. Please enjoy my interview with motivational speaker, Anne Bonnie. Hello, hi Anne, how are you today? I'm great, it's a, just sun's going down, I just got back from my paddleboard and I get to talk to you, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful day. I know you were just telling me about how you saw some stingrays under your paddleboard. That is there were pure magic. tons of them and the big ones too. A lot of times we have our little cow nose rays in our bay, but these were like legit big stingrays. So it was oh, really cool. Man. That's, yeah. that's so cool. That's so freaking cool. I want to do that. You've inspired me. Although I'm in, in Western Australia. So if I go swimming now, I might get eaten by sharks. So I don't know. We'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah. You have different sharks than we have. I did see two sharks out there tonight, but they're like little two, three foot ones that are like, oh. ah! Every time they see you, you guys have different sharks than we do. Totally <laughs> different. That's it. 
That's it. Well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on because today I'm going to be talking about motivation and you are like, if there was going to be anyone who was a mascot for motivation, I would say that it's you because (laughs) so like we met obviously in Thailand volunteering with elephants and you just had this like huge energy, which was just like, if there's ever a time that I'm feeling down or I don't want to, you were the person that's just going to put the rocket up me and just make me go like in a really good way, not a negative, like sort of boot camp way. <laughs> yeah. No, I do that too. I used to be a personal trainer. So <laughs> that makes heaps of sense. <laughs> but it's yeah. amazing. So, I mean, yeah, I can go either way, whatever works for you, the soft touch or the, you know, the rocket. <laughs> well, sometimes you need, you need to go either way, don't you? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. And well, that's why I wanted to have you on because obviously I'm like, I want to talk about motivation and your current career right now, you are a motivational speaker. Yes. Yes. And I speak specifically on change, uh, which people really don't like in general. And so being able to motivate yourself to do the thing you don't want to do and to accept the reality that you don't really want to accept is, uh, is a tall order sometimes. Absolutely. And it's so funny because obviously um, like change can come from external circumstances. So when you're like training people in leadership and the job's changing or like the leadership itself is changing, but also like the change within your own self, like even as we're growing through different chapters of our lives and our own evolution, all of it is uncomfortable. Oh yeah, exactly. And so many, you know, post pandemic, so many industries are changing the way banks specifically, I do a lot of of speeches with banks and credit unions and their whole business model is changing the way they deliver services, but also leaders are experiencing a lot of change because the workforce is changing the actual people, their motivation, what drives them. So, I mean, it's everywhere. Absolutely. Are you noticing within like the people themselves, does everyone have a little bit more awareness and they're finding their own motivation and they're wanting a, a bit of um, independence and a bit of authority on them in themselves, or is it they're looking more towards leadership? I think it's going both ways. I think, okay. you know, there's a thing called change fatigue where people are just waving the white flag saying, good God, please don't change anything else. I am exhausted. I don't want to make any more decisions. I, I don't, I don't want to figure anything else out. And you know, that change fatigue um, can make people a lot less resilient within change. So they're feeling yucky, they're feeling burned out and they're just over it. And then there's also change surrender where you're like, fine, okay, whatever, I don't care anymore. You know, where you just accept everything because you're like, all right, fine, I'm, I, I'm over it. So I think it's going in a lot of different directions, um, but especially these days, people, organizations are needing their leaders to step up and be that voice and that that reasonable uh, voice of positivity and, and motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Because the voice of positivity, I'm sure that you've seen this a lot as well. Like it can be taken too far. I'm like, you know, it becomes like this toxic positivity, whereas like a huge amount of like naivety that comes with it. And then, so then to be a positive person, if you term yourself as that, like, I think I am one and you definitely are, but it's like, it's not as though you're naive and you're not thinking about the realities of what's happening around you. It's just, you know, how to use it. Well, exactly. And I mean, it's saying, all right, this sucks. And I got it. And what's the reality? And let's work from there. And that's positivity. That's positive moving forward. It's not sitting and, you know, wallowing around in all the negativity, but it's accepting the fact that, yeah, this is hard. I'm not going to try to shove that down because then that blows up like a volcano, takes out small villages. And, you know, (laughs) that's usually your children. 
Um, <laughs> and it just doesn't do any good. So being able to say, all right, this is art. And here we go is yeah. still a positive approach and a much more healthy approach too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I find that as well. Cause it's just like, it, it, I've, I've come down on myself in the past for like, if I've been negative about it, but I'm just like, okay, you have to allow yourself the moment to wallow. You have to have a moment, but then yeah. have awareness to go through it and then keep pushing on. Well, and the cool thing is if you have that moment, usually the moment's all you need. If you take a moment to cry, to beat up a couch pillow, to go to the <laughs> boxing gym and just beat the crap out of a bag um, or get in your car and scream death metal, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> when you have that moment and you work through those emotions, you get it out of your system and your brain's able to say, okay, cool. What do we do now? You know, whereas if you try to shove it down and be happy jolly all the time when you're not, you know, and I had somebody in a workshop once say to me, so you want me to have a temper tantrum? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, actually yeah. I do. I don't want you to do it in the staff meeting. I don't want you to do it in front of your kids, you know, find a quiet place, have your little moment and then, and then move through it in a healthy adult, you know, adult way. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, adulting is all just the facade anyway. I'm totally a child when I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's important to have those little, those little moments. It really is. It really is. And that's why, so speaking about motivation, like obviously you've led such like an incredible life. So, you know, you've, you've lived in it. You, the last time you wrote, it was 27 places. Is that grown? Is it still 27 well, places or? Nope. 28. I just moved last July. There so. you go. Okay. So you lived yep. in 28 places, four different continents and six careers. That takes a lot of energy and a hell of a lot of motivation to do any single one of those things. So how on earth have you done it? Like, where have you found this like ability to, even when it's hard to stay motivated and then become like a voice for that? How did you do that? Well, well and it's knowing your why. Um, mm -hmm. Let's take the six careers because career changes my actual geographic moves. I started doing that when I was little. So that's kind of my default setting. I'm sort of a gypsy. It's like, oh, time to move. So that wasn't <laughs> ever really hard. But the career changes, you know, that's a big move. As an adult, I've just spent, you know, four years and a lot of money studying a certain profession. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, so the why is really important in that. Why am I making this change? And that's usually the case with any big change that you want to make um, or a big change that you have to take on is why am I doing this? Or why can't I do that old thing anymore? Because that why informs your, your reason. You know, I mean, it, it says, okay, there's a reason I'm doing this. It's not just a um, you know, not just because I, you know, want to make my life harder. There's a reason. So every time I had a career change, I was either moving towards something like when I moved from special ed teaching to animal training, I really wanted to be an animal trainer. And that was something I wanted to do from when I was really little. I thought I wanted to be a vet. And then I shadowed a vet for a day and I came home. I'm like, mom, that was terrible. I <laughs> they're dealing with animals who are sick and scared and angry and, and they die. And I don't want to do that. Well, it turns out I wanted to be an animal trainer. And so once I discovered this as an adult, it was an easy why to move towards that and make the sacrifices necessary. Whereas when I left my corporate job, I was moving away from something. I was saying, I can't be effective here. I don't want to be here. I don't like the way this leadership is working. I'm out. What am I going to move towards now? And um, that why 
was really important in, because there's always hard moments. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to what we we're saying. Like you have to recognize it's hard and then keep moving forward. Cause ultimately you are the person that has the power to change your life and you have to do it. The second you start putting it onto somebody else, that's when you literally become a burden. You're giving away every single piece of your power and you end up doing more right. things you don't want to do. Right. And you're not particularly happy and you're not particularly resilient because you're waiting for everybody else to do something for you. Exactly. And, like, and that's a scary position to be in. Cause it's like, are they going to do what I want? I mean, the cool part is I get to blame them if they mess it up and I don't like it, but <laughs> I feel like I, if I take control of this, I have a better chance at actually getting what I want. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Have you, when, like when you've been, um, sort of teaching people and talking to people about their motivation, uh, to embrace change, what do you, mm -hmm. what do you think is like the most common reasoning for them not being able to cope with it? and not being it's able to find that motivation. Yeah, sure. Big thing is fear of the unknown. I'm moving into territory I've never been in. And even in the territory that I'm in now, if it's uncomfortable and I don't like it and it's unhealthy or whatever, at least it's what I know. When we start moving into territory that we don't know what's gonna happen, <laughs> There's not a whole lot of security there, you know, and our brain, because there's this little piece in our brain called the amygdala. I call mine Sally and her job is because it helps because she's not me, totally. but her job is to keep me alive. Like the amygdala is a part of your brain that does the fight or flight thing. So anytime it feels stress, its job basically is just to keep you alive. It doesn't know what you've learned. It doesn't know what you know. It doesn't know what your strengths are and it doesn't know logic or it doesn't want any risk. So yeah. any stress, whether it's getting chased by a saber tooth tiger or you know having a difficult conversation at work, it doesn't know the difference. And it starts telling you all the things that are gonna go wrong. So you get back into your comfort zone and don't take the risk, which is why it's so hard to move into the unknown because your brain's sitting there going, no, 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 we're gonna die. So don't do it. And that doesn't help. It's that inner voice. And that's why I named her Sally. So I can say, hey, Sally, I get you're trying to keep me alive. And I appreciate it. But I'm really smart. And I figured out a lot of things. So even if it doesn't go the way we want, we'll probably figure it out. <laughs> and then Sally chills out and goes and watch next, watches Netflix in the background. Yeah, I love it. That's right. Go watch Golden Girls, sweetheart. I got this. <laughs> that's brilliant. So obviously you can have that idea and you can kind of chat to Sally and say that, but then when then Sally does take that backseat, there's that moment where you have to push forward. Yes. And I was like, I read this story on your blog about when you were in, when you were in Nairobi and you miss your, your connecting flight and you're in charge of 36 people trying to get to a humanitarian project and you can't fly out until the next day and you cracked it. Right. Which is, so fair. You're like in the momentum, there's things going on. You've got deadlines, you've got meetings, you're in charge of people and then it doesn't work. So you, you kind of flatline it and you have your moment, right? And you're in your moment. And then you talk about pulling up your pants, right? Pulling up your big girl pants and giving yourself a chat, right? So this is you finding the motivation. What is that sort of self-talk that you're giving yourself to be able to then, you know, pull up the pants, get on, manage these 36 people and give them a good time in the interim. Right, because we had two weeks in Malawi building a high school to go after this. So if it went south here, <laughs> the whole rest of the trip was going to be a disaster. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and it's, it, it, you know, that pep talk 
goes back to what we were saying earlier. And I, I had that moment where I'm sitting on the bus going, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I've been on a plane for 36 hours already. Now I got to figure this out. I don't want to, I want to lay down flat, eat a hamburger and just wait till our flight tomorrow night. <laughs> and then I said, okay, and what's the reality? You're here. What are you going to do? Because you're in charge of these people. And so let's worry about being tired later. You got to do your thing. You got to do your thing. When you get on that plane, you can go to sleep, but figure this out now. And I think a lot of it is accepting the reality of the situation right now. It's saying, this is terrible. I don't want to do it. And the reality is here we are and working from there. And that's, it's tough sometimes to accept that reality because sometimes that reality is my partner just cheated on me. Or, you know, they just hit me last night and I, you know, or, um, you know, I feel like I'm about to get fired from my job because all the other people in my role did and they say they're not replacing, you know, I mean, sometimes it's really hard to accept the reality and move forward and make a plan from there. But it's the, the key part of overcoming that fear of the unknown is looking at the facts and facing out from there. Definitely. And it's funny, like the, the fact that you're saying that when those times are really, really tough, it means you have to be so present in that given moment, which so many people don't do because it's so uncomfortable. We so have uncomfortable. to be so aware of like everything that's not going well in your life, everything that you feel like is your shortcomings and you have to accept in it and just like sit in it before you can even move forward. Yeah. And then well, sometimes and, this, and you just you just nailed one of the pieces that's really hard is when it's our shortcomings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Losing weight's a big one. And I, I just looked in the mirror. I just got back from my paddle and I got my bathing suit on. And I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh, I just started dating somebody a month ago and we've been eating everything and drinking everything. And <laughs> it's all right here if you want to see it again in my stomach. But sometimes the accepting of reality is I weigh 10 pounds more than I want to right now. It's time for me to eat some salad, you know, and, and I have let it go for a while, or I've been ignoring this abusive relationship, or I've been ignoring the fact that I hate this job because X, Y, Z, and it's impacting my health, whatever it is. Sometimes it's admitting that we messed something up, mm. but admitting that now, you know, I have an alcohol problem or I have a whatever I'm in debt. People don't want to look directly at that. And, and so the first time we look directly at it, talk about it and accept it and say, you know what? I can do better. I can't change the past, but I can do better now and accept those shortcomings and make it better. That's when we start to make significant impact in our future. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I love that your that your your speaking is always about like you've got your own podcast, Dancing in the Discomfort, and Which I love you that. were a guest on. Thank you very much. I was a guest on. Yes, thank you. Um, and I love that so much because it's like you do like after some practice, like it's all all about like just building those neural pathways of being used to that sort of discomfort. And then you get kind of excited about it because I'm a lot like you. Like I love moving around. I love change and meeting new people and being in these like hectic environments, chuck myself in the deep end, just see if I can swim. I don't know. 
I love right. that. And then everyone looks at me like I'm a psychopath. Like, can you just yep. choose one thing? Can you stay in one place? Can you do that? And I'm like, no, because it's boring. Like I'm used, so used to being uncomfortable that now to not be uncomfortable feels a little bit numb. <laughs> like, and I'm like, give me something well, else. And this now. is what, this is what they found at University of Michigan research. They found that the more discomfort we seek, it's like a muscle. We get stronger at being able to deal with that discomfort, being able to deal with the unknowns, being able to just take action, even though we're scared, we get better at it. Yeah. Um, and that muscle gets built up to the point that it's like you and me, like, all right, what's next? I mean, two <laughs> days from now, I'm flying to St. Louis to meet my dad, who's 79 years old, to ride 150 miles across Missouri. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. I haven't looked at the weather yet. I don't know whether it's hilly or not. I could look all this stuff up, but bother, you know? It doesn't matter. You're doing it either way. So just take it as it comes. Here we go. <laughs> I love it but so by much. seeking that out, I'm getting better and more prepared for the discomforts that I can't deal with, you know, or Definitely. that I can't control, like losing my job, like getting a divorce, like a pandemic, you know, getting sick, whatever. I'm going to be better able to deal with those unknowns because I've sought out the silly ones on the, on the, I chose those, you know? Yeah. And then there's a familiarity that comes as well with the discomfort. Like it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. If it is changing jobs or going and traveling or doing anything like, like the actual sensation of not knowing becomes familiar. And then therefore mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're going through because you just feel comfortable in that well, discomfort. Exactly. Cause you know, the discomfort's normal. I think so many people think that everybody else is a lot more put together and a lot more like, has it figured out or something? But like, once you realize, all right, I'm a disaster. You're a disaster. We have no idea what's going on. Let's go. You know, I mean, just knowing that that discomfort is normal helps to be able to say, oh, okay, cool. This is hard. I'm kind of scared. I don't know what's going to happen. Here we go. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I love that you've had so many careers as well. Cause I've talked about this in previous episodes of mine where like my partner and we say, you know, it's not important to think about what you want to do. It's important to figure out what you don't want to do because mm. like all the little, like I've, I've studied so many different things. Like I remember like I was studying massage and just as I was graduating, becoming a masseuse, I went, there is no part of me that wants to be a masseuse. How have I done this? What have I done? Why did I do this? I spent all this time, did my exam, spent all the money and then just one day I was talking to my friend and then it just, I just blurted it out. She said at me and she was just like, Anna, what happened? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And I was like, great. I had to okay. learn what it was to realize I didn't want it. Exactly. I'm like, cause it was this tiny little piece of me that always wondered. And I'm like, okay, I investigated it and that's not what I want. So right. yay. Like I can cross it off my list of maybes and then just keep going. Yeah, you have really strong hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you know in massage you can buy a fake thumb just side topic they buy a fake thumb because obviously like the thumb joint you have to use your whole body for it right but you can get this fake thumb to I, massage I have people. so many inappropriate comments right now I I you can do it I will just say wow that's cool <laughs> so funny and it's great for hitchhiking you know it I isn't mean, it that's it just hold up your thumb <laughs> Weird. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> um, so of course, so obviously, like my my um my listenership, they revolve around like sort of creative industries, right? 
So tell me about, have you, do you speak to a lot of creative industries at all? Like what, um, what's that I've kind of motivation? I've spoken to quite a few marketing companies that have a lot of graphic yeah. design and, and sort of that creative um, copywriting and all of that. Um, yeah. That's what I can think of right now that I have specifically in that industry. Yeah, but yeah. there's always creative people everywhere. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And like what I want to talk about, because so, so for example, like motivation when you're trying to be creative, like if you're trying to write, you know, you're trying to write your book, like you've written two books now, you're trying to find that motivation to write that book. You're trying to find the motivation to do that painting, to do that drawing. I mean, hell, yesterday I was trying to find the motivation to record like a solo podcast. And I mean, this is like, this is like twofold. Cause I think there has to come a point in time when you realize that you don't have motivation because you need to honor your, the energy that your body actually has. Like maybe you're mm -hmm. just genuinely tired. You need to relax. Cause even if you find the motivation to do the thing, it comes out so crap and then you yeah. have to do it again anyway. <laughs> you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so like for like the times when obviously you can, you can find motivation if you have to show up for somebody else, you know, you can, you can put it out onto somebody else. You're like, they need me. All right, come on, let's, let's get on, let's do it. But if you're doing it for you, because you're trying to, you know, just explore your creativity or you're wanting to push yourself towards a career, like when you're just feeling fed up and, you know, you've kind of like hit your head against the wall so many times, what is the kind of advice that like you would give to someone who is just sort of at a point where, maybe they're just kind of, they feel like they're at the end of their tether of trying. How do you find the motivation to keep going? So the few things come to my head. Um, one of the most painful things, because I am a planner, I am a doer. I make things happen. If the boat doesn't swim it, come out, you swim into it or whatever, however it goes. Yep. And the creative process for me has been one of wait for it. Right. Because from from a creativity standpoint, um, I I write a weekly email blast and I try I try to write that in a way that's super fun to read and it brings in a fun story and a fun lesson. And isn't that cute? Um, also, coming up with my main topic and my main keynote was a creative process for me because I know a lot of stuff. I've studied a lot of stuff. I could talk on a lot of stuff. But what truly is the one that's going to bring out the best in me? Um, and so sometimes it's a matter of patience, which sucks because you're like, I, oh. but I'm hungry and I need to make a painting right now. Yeah. Um, so some of the tactics I've heard are if you're in it and you're blocked and you're like, oh, I can't think of anything right now. And you're trying to like squeeze it out. Like, you know, <laughs> stop, go away, do something completely different. Go play go run, go do something else completely unrelated to it. Um, I've heard a lot of people get their inspiration in the shower or when they're swimming or, you know, go do something else, go play. Because yeah. when we play, we do things for no other purpose than just to do them. It frees up all that. Frankly, it frees Sally up. She goes away because she's the over-intellectualizing. What's going on? What's going wrong? What do you need to think about? Did you get all the points? Whereas the creative process isn't like that. And if we can get our brain out of that over-intellectualization and to kind of get it into our body and into our feeling yeah. and run around and play, we free up that energy to start to create something. So that's one of the things that I've, I've found myself. I'm like, and put it down. Stop trying to force it. Go 
go play. (laughs) I'm like my my own parent. The other thing I recently, Ozan, and what's his last name? He read How to Think Like a Rocket Scientist. He just read, oh crap, the book's in there. Um, Anyway, phenomenal, interesting brain. And he told a story about the creators of The Office. You know that show, The Office? Yeah, yeah. Where anytime those writers would get blocked, they would stop trying to write for The Office and they'd go write for another show. Not <laughs> literally go and quit their job and go in, you know, but they would say, all right, cool. Let's forget that right now. Let's write an episode of Entourage. Yeah. And they would just write for another show because the stakes are now lower. It doesn't matter. We're playing with this content. We can do anything we want. And oftentimes, again, that freed up, oh, what if we did that with our show? What if we did that? And then boom, they're off. So doing something similar, but without the the high stakesness of it can also kind of go, oh, wait a minute, what if we do that? So it's all in play and releasing the intellectualization and allowing just the, let's play with this. Let's dig around in it and get all muddy and see what happens. Oh, I love it. That's the best advice ever. It's so true. It's absolutely true. I, I've done that. I um I like I always believe that you should really know your own psychology and what it is you need to be your best self. Like not only just in your body, but in your brain. And whenever I have to write for like a publication or something like that, like I know that I cannot sit down for the whole day. I cannot sit and I cannot write. So I do it in blocks. And then I do exactly what you say. I have to go and play. I'm like, I treat myself as a toddler. Like I literally like, look yeah. at myself and go, Hannah, what do you need now? Cause you can't, if you're thinking about snacks, you're wriggling heaps. Like, what do you need? Okay. Go for a walk, go for a play, do like anything else and then come back. Because right. then the- well, and, and you also said something important here, knowing wh- how you can be your best self. So if I know tomorrow I've got a bunch of emails to write, or I have a couple podcasts to you know, do or whatever, I have to write part of my book. I'm probably going to try to get enough sleep. I'm probably not going to drink too heavily that night before, you know, and I know I do my best work after lunch. So I'm not even going to try to get it done in the morning. I'm going to do other busy work that I need to get done anyway, and then find that power time where I can really crank and get into it. And then your tactic of, of little blocks, like set your timer on your phone for 20 minutes and just start to start writing something or just start recording and saying stuff. And usually you get into the flow and stuff starts to come out good. But then when the timer goes off, stop and go play. And then it's phenomenal, isn't it? Like I always find, especially if I really lack the motivation, I do exactly that where I'm like, okay, just do what you set the time. Give yourself like the homework again, treating yourself, being your own parent, be like, you have to do your homework. Okay, cool. And you start and you hate it. You're like, okay, now stop. You have to go play. You're like, yeah, but I just got into it. So then by the time you've gone and played, then you're kind of excited to come back. And you're like, all right, everything is really good. That's the only way I've ever gotten anything done. Once I figured that out, I was like, all right, we're good. We'll see. (laughs) That's the key. Yeah, that's the key. That's the key. Yeah, and and creating those rewards for yourself too. You know, just like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to go do that thing I want to do. Let me just get her done. And sometimes they say that the, the length of time it takes to do a task will shrink to the time that you give it to get done. So if you're like, all right, cool. I'm gonna write this email. I got 20 minutes before I have to meet somebody, go. And oftentimes because your brain's like, ah, crap, we got a deadline here, bada bing, bada boom. And then, you know, we, we end up getting into it a lot faster too. That can help. 
Totally. I absolutely believe that. Cause that's like, that comes to that saying, doesn't it? Um, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. And it's because they literally yeah. only have such small windows of time. And I know that when I'm really busy, I will get everything done. If I'm not busy, I, it takes me forever. And I'm like, ah, I gotta well, give myself think, the deadlines. <laughs> totally. And I think part of it is you're not thinking about it because yeah. I don't know about you. I can over intellectualize myself to death. I'm like, Oh, I've got to get all the details. Perfect. And it's like, no, no just do the thing. Quick. Yeah, about it. Get out of your head. Do the thing. And I'm not saying that quality is not important, but oftentimes we get in the way of quality by trying to overanalyze early on. Oh, definitely. And then, yeah, you got to allow like the different hats as well. Like the motivation has to sit in the different worlds, like the motivation to start, the motivation to do, the motivation to edit, the motivation to put it out. Like they're all different ones. And once you right. recognize the psychology of it, and then you find the motivation for that each little one, it becomes a lot yeah. easier. Well, and that's another great tactic is breaking it down into bite-sized pieces, you know, rather than saying, I'm going to finish this today saying, all right, I'm just going to write the first draft today. And then I get to go. Then I'm going to edit the first page. Then I'm going to edit. Editing is my least favorite part. So oh, yeah. I'm going to edit the <laughs> smallest piece I possibly can <laughs> and then go do something else. But by breaking it down into those little pieces, it's not like this giant marathon of a task that we don't want to do anyway. It's just, okay, cool. This is 20 minutes worth of stuff. This is 10 minutes. This is 30 minutes. Let's just get that part done. And then we can go on to something else, especially oh. if we really are not looking forward to it. Oh, definitely. And it's funny as well, because sometimes, sometimes you cannot want to do the thing, which is exactly the thing that you love. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You're like, you're like, for me, it's like, I love writing. I love it. I love writing stories. I love writing jokes. I love doing the thing. But then sometimes I'm like, I don't want to. And it's like, well, why, yeah. why don't you want to? This is like your most favorite thing in the world in the life that you dreamt of. <laughs> why didn't you want to? And what's then you're like, problem? what's well, the problem? And, and I do the same thing with speaking. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this keynote. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you love attention. You love being on stage. You look really cute. Get your ass up there and do your job. And it's, and it's so funny. I think that a lot comes from that desire to get it right. Yeah. And the again, you're going back to the fear of the unknown. I'm about to do this thing that I love. I want it to go well. I want to be good at it. And I don't know if that's going to happen. And so we kind of get into that, uh, you know, yeah. I don't want to because it might not go well. So it's, it's, it's that interesting that it goes back to that fear of what's going to happen here. Totally. Um, situation which then goes back to what we said before which as well like which is to play so you go play to sort of like find the motivation to do it but then you still got to play in order to do the thing like and be okay with like the messiness if it ends up being messy that's what because like I, I I did an episode about this a couple of weeks ago about perfectionism like hectic perfectionist over here like I for ages did not put anything out in the world because I was like none of it is good enough and then I go and I study more because I'm like be better at it and then I just discover more shortcomings but like better comings in another area that's unrelated and I'm like ah, I still haven't done the thing and then the only thing that <laughs> the only thing that helped me was actually starting comedy because I'm like I had this constant deadline I was like hey gotta go get it out and then now I've been more comfortable in the discomfort of it not being perfect right done is better than perfect and you know so many people. I mean, I read Richard Branson, one of his autobiographies or biographies, and the amount of times that man messed things up and ran out of money and just like did it out of the trunk of his car was remarkable. He never had a plan. He's always flying by the seat of his pants and he always figured it out. And Hell it's like, yeah. huh? 
You know, I can go through and look a little bit like a disaster and it's not going to be perfect, but you know what? Most of the time people don't even notice. No, you know, and then because again, they're so busy worrying about their own disasters. Exactly. And then also <laughs> the other thing as well that I find that if you're really struggling and you're trying to think ahead, you're trying to like, you know, anxiety war game yourself out of stuff. I just kind of go, if it all goes absolutely pear shaped, that's an even better story. So yeah. that's fine. How good is that to retell the the time that everything, every single thing along the way went wrong? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a great story. That's it. Well, it's, and it's so true. And and we learn so much more from the thing, from the times things go wrong than we do from all the comfortable, lovely times that things go right. And we were able to go home and sit on the couch. It's like, wah, wah, you know, and yeah. it's a story. And B, we didn't get any better or learn anything. So yeah. Hell yeah. And we do, we grossly underestimate our ability to figure things out. Sally's sitting there in our brain yelling at us about everything that's going wrong, but we so rarely ask, what if this goes right? Yeah. Right? What happens if this goes catastrophically well? And if it doesn't, we're still going to figure it out because we always have. Yeah. You know? We're still here. We're still here worrying about it. So obviously we've done okay. <laughs> it's what we're really good at. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's so absolutely true. true. I love it. I love it. And thank you so much. Like this has just been such an, a nourishing chat and so good to hear somebody else, like hear you talking about motivation and, and, and understanding and embracing change. Cause it's one of the most powerful things. And it's one of the only things that makes us really human. Yeah. Well, and one of the cool things is, is self-motivation is one of those. It's one of the key pieces to being an emotionally intelligent human and of the three factors that help people be most successful in their life, their personality, their intelligent quotient, and their emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the only one that you can improve throughout your life. Your personality is set at 18, your IQ is set when you're born, but you can keep improving on your emotional intelligence. And part of that is that self-awareness that we've been talking about. And then that self-regulation to make things happen, even if we're like, hey, no. I don't want to do it. No, that's absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm the biggest whiner. My boss gets so sick of me and it's tough because I'm my boss. <laughs> <laughs> conversation like, I don't want to. And then my boss is like, oh, you have to. And I'm like, I don't want to. And I'm like, I'm insane right now. <laughs> absolutely insane. But you know, this is part of it is recognizing that this whole back and forth, this discomfort, this, nah, I don't want to, you got to do it. That's part of the human experience. It yeah. literally, you're not doing it wrong if that's happening in your head too. You're not actually crazy. You're normal. That's is why it. it's so hard. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But And do you know what? I just uh, quickly want to go back to something else you said as well, like recognizing when things are going bad, but like also recognizing like when things are going really right. Like I noticed that I've done this a lot quite recently where I've kind of gone, it's not good enough. You got to keep doing more. You're not where you wanted to be. You're not where you wanted to be. But then like, I've sat back and I thought about where I was like, you know, uh, like four years ago. And I'm like, holy shit. I never would have thought I'd be doing this right now. Like I've done it. I am doing the thing that I wanted to do. And it's not at the scale that I want. That doesn't like the scale is constantly going to move anyway. So it doesn't matter. And like, take the right. time to recognize how far you've come. And then that well, even. Exactly. And that's one of the, the points I make in my keynote is don't forget to look back and look, see how far you've come. 
because we, you know, those of us who are motivated, driving people, we're always looking forward at what we want to get, what we're working towards and all that stuff that we do forget who, who we were a year ago, let alone a month ago, you know, and where we were then versus where we are now and how much progress we have actually made even though we're like still clawing our way <laughs> to try to keep moving forward. So that's a phenomenal point. Yeah. And yeah. that's how you build momentum too. You know, that's how you build that, you know, that increased creativity, increased productivity is by saying, you know what? You did really well today. Like today I was super productive. I didn't do that. And eh, I don't want to at all today. I was uh, on it. Well done. The end of the day, that's why I went out on my paddleboard. Cause I was like, I just killed it. Nice yeah. job, Anne. Let's go. Let's go play and let's have a reward. And I bet you tomorrow is going to be just as motivating. Definitely. Do you know what? And that's a really good point because it's like the words of affirmation and and giving yourself like, you know, uh, like the, the reward of just knowing that you've done really good. Cause if, especially like obviously in creative fields outside of like your actual job itself, if you're not making money off your creative endeavor, it means that you're, you're, you are your own boss in your own creative venture. And you need to build morale for your staff and your employees, which is you. So you have to do it for yourself. Yep. And, and it's a choice. It really is genuinely a choice to be able to stop and look at what's gone well, because it's easy to see where it's not quite good enough, especially in the creative process. You're trying to put something out there that is unique in the world and special in the world. And there's a lot of ego and a lot of pride and a lot of myself riding on that. So it is really easy to always see where we're not and what we don't have yet. And so building in that, hey, you know what? That was actually really good. I'm not saying lie to yourself, but when it is good, make sure you take a minute and have a little dance party. Oh God, this has been, oh, I can't wait to put this so episode fun. out. This is so fun. <laughs> I think the major takeaways is like, obviously figure out what your why is, why are you gonna be doing the thing that's gonna motivate you to move forward. If that's not working for you, you got to go play. If that's not working for you, you got to be playful with the thing that you're making to get it out there and no one's perfect. So get over it. Yeah. And then. Well, and, and one other thing that, and you mentioned something around this earlier is when you are scared, when you, when you're standing, as I call it on the porch of your comfort zone and you're looking out at the discomfort zone and you're about to take a move and you're terrified and your feet are like glued. What I always talk about is it's time to punch it, Margaret. It's time <laughs> to just get off the porch and move it. And in my keynote, I always have people yell that at me because sometimes we need that silly, again, going back to play, we need that silly little uh, of energy to get us off that porch, to get us to just take that st scary step. And, uh, and people email, message me all the time and they're like, I punched it the other day. I did it. I didn't want to go in for that interview. I was about to skip it, but I did it and I got the job. And it's like, yeah. so sometimes you need that stupid little uh, to get you off the porch and to get you start dancing in the discomfort zone. Because often it's that first step that it's, it's the hardest, you know? Oh yeah. It's that first yeah. step. So you can use that too. Absolutely. And if the, it, like, if you don't have something very specific like that to go for one thing that I did when I was like 13, I was afraid of heights wasn't 13, I was 16, afraid of heights. And I went bungee jumping and there's a video of me, literally they had to try and convince me to jump off. And I was just like, it's a perfect like metaphor for what goes on in your brain when you're trying to like reach the like crossover. And it was my first time doing it. I was like, I can't do it. And they're like, you have to do it. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't go. 
And like, you have to do it. And I'm like, I can't. And they're like, okay, well then come back. I'm like, no, I have to do it. And they're like, we'll go. And I'm like, I can't. And there was this weird back and forth, right? And then the first time that I did it, I literally, there's this, I have to, you know, I'm going to find the video and post it up. Cause like, I don't even jump. Like I go to jump. I like bob down to jump. And then I just fall off the edge. Like it's so pathetic and so sad. But then I do it like another four times in various locations. And after building up, like, you know, like the, the neural pathway of knowing how horrifying it is, I was like, okay, all right, I know, I know what it's going to feel like. Let's go do it. I feel like my eyes are going to pop out of my skull and that's a cool feeling. Like, let's go. Now <laughs> oh, you're like swan diving off of the thing. Like, get out of the way. I'm next. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. It's been such a blessing to have you. I'm so honored to have some time with you. Thank you so much, Anne. Oh, always a pleasure to to connect and to laugh. And uh, yeah, no, this has been a blast. Is it over already? Yeah, I know. This is, I mean, I'd like to have you back on if you're interested to talk about multi-passion ideas, multi-passion uh, sort of like living. Because you've had six different careers. I've had, I think, four. I mean, I wouldn't call them careers. They were like almost. And then I figured out I didn't want to do it. So we got to chat about that. <laughs> It would be a blast. I'm here anytime. I love it. And then, so hopefully, so I'm going to like, obviously post up all of your links and everything into my show notes so people can follow you and listen to your podcast and then just keep, you know, learning from you and getting the, all the sparkle energy from you. I love it. But then also hopefully you're going to come to Australia and then that would mean that we can hear you speak live. So we can hang out in person. That would be so good. I'm putting yeah. it out. It's verbalized. We have it on the thing. It's happening. Let's make there you it go, happen. universe. Here I come. Yes. Do it. Yes. <laughs> That's Let's... the only continent I've never been on. Did you know that? I can't believe that. The only continent you haven't been to. What is this? How? I visited the penguins down in Antarctica and I've never been to Australia to see you. It's unacceptable. Un I mean, come on. I've got, I, I like to think I've got a little more personality than a penguin. They're pretty, they're pretty spunky. Maybe but you're definitely that. a step above. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anne. Have an awesome day. And I can't wait to chat to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.